there are lots of people in AA that are intimidated by the idea of sponsoring someone. And I understand that because, you know, when I was new and, you know, kind of started doing the step, I wanted to sponsor someone, but I was intimidated because, you know, I was afraid if I said the wrong word, uh, they might drink, you know, and, and I felt very inadequate. You know, some of the emails I've gotten back, one girl, I just had tears in my eyes. She said, I'm no longer intimidated about sponsoring someone. This is so simple. It made so much sense. And, and I'm getting more emails from her. And she says, I'm doing it this way. Another girl I sponsor is doing it this way. And a third girl is raising her hands, volunteering to be a sponsor. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Heidi, 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 hi. Hody, 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 ho. I don't know why I like that little ditty there, but I do. Nonetheless, greetings from Studio AA deep in the heart of Texas on this here episode number 286 of Sober Speak. That was the voice of my friend, Mr. Ricky R. at the beginning of this episode, and you're going to hear so much more from him in just a moment. But first things first, (coughs) excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. First things first, this this here episode is brought to you by Nicole and Lori and Niles and Vicky. What, you may ask, did Nicole and Lori and Niles and Vicky do? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on that little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So thank you so much, Lori and Niles and Vicky. Vicky O, actually. In fact, when I see that Vicky O, it makes me think of plenty O uh, listener feedback. But nonetheless, (laughs) thank you, Nicole and Lori and Niles and Vicky. Vicky O. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. So I want to read a little bit of listener feedback on the beginning of this episode. And, and there's a twofold reason for reading it. Uh, number one is that the guy who wrote it is just a, I don't know, just, I just really like his spirit. Uh, this guy's name is Dennis. Dennis writes in and he says, hello, John. My name is Dennis and I am an alcoholic living up in Walcott, 
Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Vermont. My sober date is May 15th of 2021. I absolutely love your podcast and your cheerful personality. Well, thank you, Dennis. He says, this podcast has been so helpful for me in my journey recovery. Part of my story is being arrested in Georgia during my active years. That arrest led me to rehab and through rehab to AA, which has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am still struggling with guilt and shame that is constantly running around in the background of my life, resulting in a lot of anxiety and depression. I know that the best antidote to these feelings is to serve others and spread a message. I think about the ninth step promises, quote, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear, unquote. I have reached out to some people up here about bringing the message to people in the corrections systems, but it seems like the groups that used to do that had to stop because of COVID and have not started back up again for various reasons. I have also sent out emails to addresses I found online after Googling, quote, bringing a message to people in prison in Vermont, unquote, but no response. I was listening to the newest episode of Sober Speak and I heard you talking about doing service work with people in jail and my ears perked up. Obviously, I live quite far from Texas, but I was wondering if there was any way for me to serve in that capacity, the people who are incarcerated and who to contact about that. Thank you for your time and keep up the good work. So like I said, there's a twofold reason for me reading this and that is, Number one, uh, I really loved the email and I went back and forth with Dennis a few times and he's just a, a super guy. Uh, the other reason that I wanted to read that was to say, if you're out there and you're listening and you are incarcerated and there is some way for you to email me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com. I see a lot of people doing this. Uh, or I get a lot of emails from this and uh, it's usually through the J pay system, I think is what it's called. I could be wrong about that. And there's probably several different systems that I'm unaware of. Um, but, uh, Dennis has volunteered. I have uh, not only Dennis, but I have another friend that here's local by me. Uh, or in the same area where I am. Uh, his name is Brad, and he does all kinds of good work as well. So if you're interested in uh, email exchange with either of those individuals, just email me. I'll get the the, uh, the information to them, and they can go back and forth with you on email and start some communication. I don't know if there's other ways to communicate with those who are incarcerated. I've heard about collect calls and stuff like that, but I think this is probably the easiest way and I can't do everything for everyone, but we're just trying to act as a go-between uh, for those who in, who indeed need that service. So uh, anyway, Dennis, thank you so much for writing in and thank you for volunteering uh, to, of your time. Now, on to the episode of the week. I guess what we can call that. I don't think I've ever used that term. Episode of the week uh, with Mr. Ricky R. And this episode is called How to Take Someone Through the Steps 
part one. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, Ricky's been sober for 32 years. He lives in Jacksonville, Texas, which is down here eh, about an hour, hour and a half, I believe, away from uh, the Dallas uh, uh, area. And Ricky wrote an article, which is on the Sober Speak website, and he does uh, workshops on how to take people through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. As I mentioned in the episode, we'll put a link to the article in the show notes. But if you don't want to go to the show notes, and for some reason you just want to go to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and you click on the tab called uh, uh, it, it called Blog, or you just search for the article, How to Take Someone Through the Steps, it is there. And there's not, not only the article there, the lovely Mrs. M set it up to where you can actually download a PDF off the website and print that that out and use that as a guide. And I've looked through it. You're, in fact, you're going to hear Ricky and I talking about it on this episode. But in this episode, part one, Ricky provides some background on uh, why he felt called to write the article and to conduct the workshops. He talks about a brief history of uh, sponsorship, where it came from, you know, what the idea was originally, and uh, several other things. He talks about the objective of actually sponsoring someone. You ever thought about that? What's my objective here? What are we trying to do with this man or woman in terms of, you know, what's the next steps here? What are we doing? So he talks about that and, and how to be a sponsor and not be intimidated and much more. Now, keep in mind, next week, we're going to follow up with part two of our discussion with Ricky. And I want you to know also, and we talk about this, I think it's mainly in part two, but I can't remember for sure. Uh, Ricky has a a, a workshop coming up on, let me look here. Oh, here, see that? That's an actual flyer. What's the difference between a flyer and a piece of paper with information on it? I don't know. I think it's basically the same thing, but I'm reading this piece of paper with information on it, also known as a flyer, AKA. Notice how I did that there? Put in the little uh, uh, anacro- was it an acronym. No, that's when you're afraid of spiders or something like that. No, that's agoraphobia. Uh, what, what is it called? An acronym. Not an acronym, an acronym. But <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> How did I get from uh, uh, an acronym to being afraid of spiders? But nonetheless, okay. So on this piece of paper here with information on it, uh, it, it says that this workshop is on Saturday, April 22nd, uh, 2023 from 10 a.m. in the morning till 3 p.m. Central Time. So there's two ways to attend this particular workshop. One way is you can go via Zoom or another way is you can actually go to the Jacksonville Fellowship Recovery Group at 318 West Larissa Street in Jacksonville, Texas. Uh, okay, so there's a lot of Zoom ID information right here. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so I'm just going to say the Zoom ID. Uh, if, if you're really interested in that, I'm going to say it quick. You can go, you can rewind and write it down. His ID is 506-404-660. And the password is 6101935. So that is the information for the workshop on, once again, Saturday, April 22nd, if you want to attend it. Um, I think it'll be a really good workshop. And uh, what else do I have to say here? I think that's it. 
Enjoy the first part of Ricky R taking some how to take someone through the steps and we will be back with plenty oh listener feedback at the end of this here episode enjoy okay everybody so today we're sitting here again i say again because he's been on the podcast in the past it's been quite a while i think like 2019 something like that is that right ricky i think so yeah so anyway, we're sitting here with Mr. Ricky R. And I'm going to go ahead, Ricky, let you introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live in this great land of ours. My name is Ricky. I'm an alcoholic. And I've been sober since August 20th, 1990. And I am from Jacksonville, Texas. August 20th, 1990. So that would be 30, how, 32 years? Uh That's great. 32 years. And you live in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is out there in that uh, Tyler area, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? Yes. And we actually have a guest today uh, in the room here with us. (laughs) And I want to go ahead and mention his name. Why don't you come on up to the mic here real quick? (laughs) Uh, Just say your name and uh, introduce yourself, Carter. Get, Get close to the mic there. I'm Carter. Uh, I'm also from Jacksonville, Texas, and my sobriety date is December 5th of 2019. Thanks, Carter. So Carter and Ricky, how do you guys know each other, Ricky? Uh, Well, we're both drunks for one thing, (laughs) uh, and I happen to be Carter's sponsor. That's great. He's my road buddy. Yeah. So they have traveled from Tyler, or excuse me, Jacksonville, uh, up here to uh, Frisco today to come in and do the recording. Um. And uh, I think you guys are going to go see another speaker tonight or something like that. And we just got out of a meeting together. So it is an AA day. (laughs) Every day is an AA day for me. (laughs) Um, All right. So the reason that Ricky is back, well, I mean, he's here to be on the podcast, but there's a, a, a specific reason that I wanted to get him back on the podcast today. And that is because we have published on our website, when I say the website, the lovely Mrs. M went ahead and got that up there on the website. It is Ricky's article that he wrote, and the article is called How to Take Someone Through the Steps, Through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, just so you kind of add a little more language there. And so um, Ricky wrote this, he shared it with me. I absolutely loved it. I thought we should go ahead and put it on the website. And then you have actually been doing workshops around this lately as well, correct? Right. Uh-huh. All right. So let me just start with this. And that is to say, what was the, what was the genesis? What, what brought this to mind for you? Where did this come from for you? Well, I've always been interested in sponsorship, uh, and any speaker I hear, I'm looking for another little pearl or another little tool, you know, to, to help that next guy. And I noticed there were some people that they were more successful with people they sponsored than other people. And, you know, what is it about these people? Uh, what do they have in common? Uh, where more people stay sober that they sponsor than, you know, I thought it was the luck of the draw or they weren't ready or whatever, but I found out it has a lot to do with, with, uh, you know, how we present it. 
And another thing, I've been to sponsorship workshops, and anytime I've ever heard anyone at a workshop or anyone share, it's always, well, you know, my sponsor this, my sponsor that, or whatever. But I've never been to a workshop where someone says, okay, day one with the new guy, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'd had people ask me, you know, well, how do you, how do you do this, whatever, you know? So I, I, I kind of became a student of sponsorship. I look back at history uh, and, and stuff. And, and, you know, for me, the first sponsor I had, uh, I, actually I ended up being angry at him because I got a different sponsor down the line, but looking back, we only know what we only know what we're taught. And he told me to go to a lot of meetings and I became meeting dependent is what happened. I was afraid if I missed a meeting, I would get drunk. Now, uh, well, Carter's here. He'll nod in agreement. Carter makes probably two meetings a week. And if someone's brand new, I don't require them to make any more than that. It's great if they do, but what, we want to do is get them in the steps, get the steps done very quickly. It's very, very simple. And I'm getting feedback from some of the people that's been in the workshop that, uh, this, I get tears in my eyes because of the results I'm hearing from them. This has been the most meaningful thing I've ever done since I've been in Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. So you mentioned there, Okay, so let me go back though. I, I I understand the what you just said, and what I'm wondering though was there some sort of moment or some sort of event that catapulted you into actually putting together the the document that you put together, uh, along with you know starting this this whole process. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the main thing. I started noticing guys that, you know, you know, when you're sober 30 plus years, I don't know if it's your experience, but I tend to have people that are 10, 15, 20 years come ask me to sponsor them, right. you know, and, uh, generally, uh, they're not going to change anything they're doing. They're going to keep doing what they do, but a lot of them, most of them, they, they had little or no experience sponsoring someone and carrying the message is one of the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. I may be doing 11 steps if I'm not doing that one, but I'm not doing the 12 step program. So I planned on having a workshop and here's what I did. I told everyone I sponsor, I said, okay, we're going to do this workshop and you will be there. There's no uh, (laughs) saying, no, I can't make it. You change plans, you do whatever you got to do. You're going to be there and you tell everyone you sponsor, they've got to be there and tell them to tell everyone they sponsor and they've got to be there. So it started out as just kind of our lineage and it was to show these guys who hadn't sponsored or had not been ever been successful with anyone they sponsored, how to take some someone through the steps and do it in a rapid fashion to where you know, uh, guys recover from alcoholism very quickly. It, it does not take long at all. So you talked there about the history of sponsorship. Um, 
Talk to me a little. Hold on, but before I go there, I want to I want to read something on in this article that you write. And when I say in this article, I, I'm going to put the link to this article in the show notes. If you go to the Sober Speak website, you can see it there. Uh, if you put in the keywords, how to take somebody through the steps, it's there as a blog. Uh, is it other places they can find it online? Do you have it online anywhere else? Uh, no, I don't, but we will be doing a workshop yeah. online that'll be on Zoom. Okay. So I'll put any information, uh, like that in the show notes. I don't know exactly when this is going to be released, so we'll have to yeah. talk about that and coordinate it. But okay. right at the beginning of this article, it says, well, it has a quote from Bill Wilson. And then right after that, it says, the goal of this presentation is to replicate what the founders did with the same sense of urgency. With the, abs- with the exception of making amends, Bill Wilson took the steps while hospitalized. He was in the hospital for seven days. So you're right. I've been to meetings where I hear people say stuff like, uh, and it makes me cringe a little, and this is just me, right? And, and I think different things work for different people, but I've heard like things like first step, first year. And I go, oh my goodness, I am, uh, I'm, I, uh, I, it, that scares me for the for the individuals um, and for the people that are telling them that. Sure. Uh, and once again, that's just me, right? I, it may have worked for somebody else, but anyway, it, as you know, it, that's just concerning. But when you wrote this about Bill Wilson taking the steps while he was hospitalized, what was your thought process? What were you trying to tell people? That it doesn't take uh, long at all to do this and to recover from alcoholism, uh, if done in a very simple way, uh, you know, at best, our book says in the, the forward to the second edition, uh, of those who, who came and really tried mm-hmm. 50% got sober at once and remained that way. Mm-hmm. And so at best, if, if, if we had sponsorship down, I guess, to perfection, you're only going to have one out of two, Stay sober, but see, uh, I can't handle failure. So that one that didn't get sober, I want to change something. You know, I want to do something different next time. And I end up doing a lot of stuff they've already tried back in the 30s that didn't work. Mm. So if I just stick to what they did, it works. And and I'll tell you one thing I I see a lot happening, and I even had a sponsor do this with me. Uh, You know, some new people – they aren't sure if they're powerless over alcohol or not. So we talk about, Carter and I talked about it, we tend to complicate things. And I believe as sponsors, we tend to complicate sponsoring also. So if someone doesn't feel they're powerless over alcohol, first of all, they don't know what that means. Then a lot of the time you'd say, well, uh, what about people, places, and things? We're not talking about that in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am not powerless over people, places, and things. In the big book, it tells me how to deal with people, places, and things. It does not tell me how to deal with alcoholism. It tells me how to recover by doing something almost totally unrelated. So we recover from alcoholism, and we have the tools to deal with people, places, and things. And so... That's our only focus in step one. I don't care if the guy does a pound of drugs every day or 
He's an overeater. Any other problem, we're dealing with one thing and one thing only here. I want to know, is he powered us over alcohol? So um, you talked a little bit about the, the history of sponsorship. You went back and looked at the history. Tell me a little bit about what you found. Well, it, it, it kind of evolved. Uh, it's kind of comical now. Uh, sponsorship kind of first started out that if you were the sponsor, uh, almost no one ever came to the meetings until they was first hospitalized. And if you were the sponsor, you were responsible for that guy's hospital bill also. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that pro- probably pretty quickly they changed that. But the main one that really got sponsorship going was uh, Clarence Snyder, who started Alcoholics Anonymous in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And he started the meetings there one month after the big book came out. He started them in May of 1939. And he used the big book and they had a tremendous success. So successful that they had many more people in Cleveland sober than New York and Akron combined. And, but they used the big book where Akron hadn't used the big book and neither had New York because the big book wasn't out yet. And ironically enough, this shocked me till I, I read this. We talk about the first 100, and I've always said, you know, the book talks about we're more than 100. I've always said, I want what the first 100 had. You know, well, I don't now because a lot of them got drunk. Yeah. That was the flying blind period. No one had worked the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous except Bill Wilson. If you read his story on page 13, mm-hmm. you can see the steps there. But all the others were doing the, the few things, the Oxford group, and I've seen six steps. There really weren't six steps in the Oxford group, but they kind of had some similar things they did. And and that's and they were trying that and, and different things to try to stay sober. But Clarence is also it was the first group to be named Alcoholics Anonymous. Huh. Really? And, yes, huh? And matter of fact, there was a little uh heated discussion when he was going to leave Akron and start his own group. And Dr. Bob said, you can't do that. And he said, it's too late. It's a done deal. We're starting our group tomorrow. And Dr. Bob and the whole gang showed up in Cleveland the next night to try to put a stop to it. <laughs> and there was a big argument and they almost got in a fight and all that, but, but they went on, you know, and why didn't he want him to start another group in Cleveland? Do you know? Well, he was trying to, Clarence was trying to withdraw from the Oxford group. And the main reason, well, there are a few reasons. He didn't like all the the religious tones and stuff, but he had some Catholic guys from Cleveland that would go to Akron to the meetings, and the uh, priest or bishop or whatever uh, at the Catholic church threatened these guys that they would be excommunicated from the church if they continued to go to this this Protestant organization called the Oxford Group in Akron. And so that was kind of the, the first argument with Clarence, uh, and Dr. Bob and Dr. Bob said, uh, well, it doesn't matter if they get kicked out or not. We're not going anywhere. Wow. And, uh, but, but Cleveland did. You mean it wasn't all hunky dory between all of them? Uh, no, they were just <laughs> like us. <laughs> okay. So, 
All right. So what else about the the, the history of, of sponsors? So we know that guy in 1939 was he was kind of the first one taking people through the big book. Do you know when the actual term started to be used? Do you have any idea? I don't know exactly. Uh, I d- no, I don't. That's uh, all. But I know that uh, Clarence started using the big book, and they kept a record, and he had a 93% success rate with alcoholics. And what Clarence would do, he would take you in on a Friday, and when you left on Sunday, you had done the steps. Now, I know that's going to sound just crazy to a lot Mm. of people. But it's not. It no. does not take long at all. We just complicate it so bad. Right. And it's about carving out the time usually and actually doing the work and doing the steps that it actually says to take. So right. I know what you mean. I mean. I'll tell you this. When when I sit down, you can ask Carter, when I sit down with a new guy and he's asked me to sponsor him, if he's been 12-step or been to some meetings, he understands you know a little bit about what we do and stuff. But when I sit down with him, I'm going to start with step one, and I'm going to spend, it's usually about two hours, and when he leaves there, he's on his way home to go do a fourth step. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow, we're going to get together, and he's going to do his fifth step. Yeah. It just doesn't take long. Right. We just stretch it out. Right, and with all the guides and all that sort of stuff, uh, uh and you know, and maybe, and I, I, I'm not here to poo-poo on all the various guides that are out there because I, I think they have been helpful in some form or fashion, and you know, maybe can help people to look at things from a different way. But especially with people in the beginning, uh, it, it seems to me like it can complicate things more than uh, than it has to because it's pretty straightforward. And like you, and you have it detailed here in your article about what you need to say to somebody when you need to say it to them and uh taking them along that road so it sounds to me uh like like you're uh implying uh and i've heard this talked about many times is that the message has been diluted over time oh yeah and what do you think the why do you think that's happened well, I've got a sneaky suspicion. I guarantee you this happens. Back when when they first got going, and, and these guys were doing these steps very quickly and recovering from alcoholism, and now they're going out and helping someone else, Joe Blow came in, and when it got to the fourth step, he says, I'm not doing that. And they kept trying to convince him, and he said, I'm not doing that. So he finally got miserable enough after four, five, six months, and he did it. So here's what happened. John Doe comes in later on, and he's looking at that fourth step, and he said, you know, I I really don't want to do that. Joe Blow says, you don't have to do that. I didn't do it for five or six months. Yeah. You know, I I could just see that happening, you know. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I mean, uh, I would say we have – less than 5% of our membership who read the big book on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll read the daily reflections. We'll read all this other stuff. But we ne- we don't read the program of recovery, the message we're supposed to be carrying to the new person. So we get all this stuff, you know, and it, it just, uh, you know, one of the reasons they wrote the big book, they didn't want the message to become garbled. 
and it gets very garbled. And, uh, you know, something I saw at a, at a meeting earlier today, uh, everybody was talking about using the slogans to stay sober. That's not what they were meant for. You know, it, it was meant for the new guy to do these steps very rapidly and, and slogans are actually a temporary fix from my selfishness, Mm -hmm. just like an AA meeting is, you know, I remember thinking, man, I need a meeting so bad in hindsight. I know now what I needed was an hour to relieve me from my selfishness because those character defects, which are my selfishness cause all that discord and unhappiness and anger and all that sort of stuff. And of course, I think it's the outside world. And I think I'm running into a meeting to escape the outside world when what I'm doing, I'm escaping what's between my ears. Because when you're sharing, I'm listening to you and I'm not thinking about all that stuff. When I'm sharing, I'm trying to be helpful. I'm not thinking about all that stuff. So I'm getting a, a, a one hour relief from myself. That's why I, went, I felt good in meetings. And when I left the meeting, it seemed like about 30 minutes after I was gone, that feel good was gone. And I'm back into the old, same old stuff, you know? Right. Very interesting. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so there's also something in, in this article that I saw that I liked. And uh, uh, and you you talk about how in the beginning, most of us sponsor just like we were sponsored because it works. Sure. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you'll hear most all of us say, uh, you know, well, I carry the message to the next guy just like it was carried to me. And my question is, why would you do that? Well, because it worked. That's why. Mm-hmm. But what if it took you six months or a year or three or four or five years to do that? In that process, there's going to be lots of struggles. And our struggles and the severity of our struggles are usually always related to or caused by the length of time it took us to do the steps. You know, I've been watching these these new guys and, and doing this. They come in, and in a couple of weeks, they're loving life. They come in and say, man, my job is great. I love my job and my wife and I are getting along so great. You know, they're not coming and complaining, you know, like, like I did, you know, when, when I got sober, I was two and a half years sober and had a failing marriage that was worse than it was when I was drinking. And I changed sponsors and I had a sponsor that he believed in, in this, you know, he took me through the book and had me do what was in the big book. And, and nothing else, and it literally changed marriage, finances, everything else, you know. So that is kind of your, I would say, your your inspiration for, for why you do the things you do nowadays with sponsorship. Yeah, because cause I've had it, you know, both ways. I've had it where it's the passed-down word-of-mouth uh, message. You know, something else, I mean, we all cling to this thought that, and it's in the big book. Uh, I carry my experience, strength, and hope. Well, yeah, I do that, but that was never put in the book till 1976 when the third edition, it's in the forward to the third edition. Mm-hmm. It says it in the preamble, experience, strength, and hope. Well, that was put in the preamble in 1947. 
But on page 89 of our big book, it says, carry this message, exclamation mark. So I'm not just going to carry my experience, strength, and hope like to Carter. I don't want Carter to have my experience. I want Carter to do the work that's Alcoholics Anonymous that's laid out in the book where Carter can have his own experience. And, and, you know, and it just occurred to me also that, you know, back in the beginning, you know, we are, we're very fortunate that at least I am like where I live here in the DFW area, you know, you can go to a meeting, you can go to three meetings a day if you want. Right. But back in the day, they, I mean, they were, you know, you had to drive a long way to get to one and uh, maybe it'd just be for like one night a week, whatever the case may be. Uh, And uh, we're, and you know, so they had to depend more upon carrying the message and the spiritual work and doing the steps versus actually going to meetings. Uh, and I love meetings, you're right. And I'm, I'm not knocking meetings. Uh, uh, and I go to a lot of meetings. I, I, I enjoy them. However, the meetings, as you know, without the steps, uh, is, um, a, a, a bad recipe. Yeah. If you wanted to be one of the, you know, a slogan you'll never hear me say is meeting makers make it. Uh, our first example, uh, of a meeting maker was Dr. Bob. He was in the Oxford group and he made their meetings over and over and over and he couldn't quit drinking. So he was our first example <laughs> that meeting makers don't make it. But if you would have got in this deal in the beginning and you were dependent on meetings, we would have had to go to New York on Tuesday night and fly over to Akron and make their meeting on Wednesday night. That's the only meetings there were. Right. And so you know, our little group in Jacksonville, we had 13 meetings a week. We've cut our meeting list down. We have three meetings now. How come you cut it down from 13 to three? What happened? Well, COVID kind of, kind of yeah. thinned it out some. And then, and you know, you've got your uh, different opinions on that. But we had, we had people that were, uh, they believe the most important thing in AA was meetings. And anytime you tried to, uh, uh, you wanted, you thought about eliminating a meeting, they said, oh, what if someone wants to drink? And so, you know, we just kept having the same meetings over and over. Well, what happened? Someone came that wanted help and no one was there to help them. Uh-huh. The door was locked. Yeah. So that's the reason we cut it down. And, and, and we know Carter can tell you, guys, Carter sponsor can tell you, uh, we don't need all these meetings. I'm like you, though. I go to one almost every day, sometimes more than one in a day. Mm. I love AA meetings. But as you know, we don't go there to see what we can get. We go there to try to help someone else because that's the whole secret in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where we get our stability is trying to help the next guy. That's right. That's right. Okay, so when you go out to these workshops, by the way, you said you recently had a workshop where in Memphis or something? It was in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. So you went to Jackson, Mississippi. You have a workshop. It's called How to Take Someone Through the Steps, right? Uh What do you generally talk about? And maybe some of this, right? Is there anything else that you talk about on the front end of this to kind of set it up before you go into the meat of it? Well, you know, I'll talk a little bit about the history of it and about uh, here's something I kind of 
I thought was going on in AA, there are lots of people in AA that are intimidated by the idea of sponsoring someone. And I understand that because, you know, when I was new and, yeah. you know, kind of started doing the step, I wanted to sponsor someone, but I was intimidated because, you know, I was afraid if I said the wrong word, uh, they might drink, you know, right. and, and I felt very inadequate. And my sponsor says, go ahead and go ahead and do it because you're going to, you're going to kill the force, the first four or five anyway. So, <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, that, that was one thing. And, and that was true. I had several people, you know, some of the emails I've gotten back one girl, I just had tears in my eyes. She said, I'm no longer, I'm no longer intimidated about sponsoring someone. This is so simple. It made so much sense. And, and I'm getting more emails from her and she says, I'm doing it this way. Another girl I sponsor is doing it this way. And a third girl is raising her hands, uh, raising her hand in meetings, uh, volunteering to be a sponsor. Wow. And so it's, it's so gratifying and, you know, to, to see people do it, you know? Yeah. So, um, when people come, Okay, so I can tell you, I get a lot of emails, a lot of messages, a lot of all kinds of stuff through the through the podcast. Mm -hmm. I would say the majority of those are, and it's interesting because this is a different spin on it. The majority of what I get, what I receive, are how do I pick a sponsor? Um, and you know, where do you find a sponsor? Um, but I don't hear a lot of people asking me, how do you sponsor, which is kind of interesting. And that's why I like this particular spin on it. When you have somebody who asks you, where do I find a sponsor? How can I find a sponsor? Uh, maybe they're not, you know, in your local area or something like that. They're up in, you know, Wyoming or wherever they are. What do you tell them to look for? Well, I. I haven't had anyone ask me that. I mean, maybe uh, how do I get a sponsor or whatever. I'll, if it, like if they were out of state or whatever, I would tell them to get on the Zoom meeting we do. You know, there's plenty of people on there that uh, that that could sponsor them. So uh, it, that leads me to and th that's another thing. You're going to have to send me the the link to your Zoom meeting, okay? Uh, because I know you and Gary K are on there. Yeah, uh, Ricky R, who we just saw. Excuse me, Ricky C, who we just saw over at the meeting. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people that get on there, um, but. So, and I know we're doing this on the fly, but if you were to tell somebody to look for particular characteristics when they're, first of all, pray about it, right? And then look for a particular characteristic of an individual to ask you, ask to be your sponsor. What kind of characteristics do you think they would, they, they should look for? Well, one of them would not be length of sobriety. Mm -hmm. You know, that sounds kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I tell you that the mo the most unha unhappiest humans, not a not AA members, the the two most unhappy humans I've ever met in my in my life, were old timers and Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. So I would say look for someone. You know, we always say look for someone that wants that, that has what you want. You know, and and not their financial status or that sort of stuff, <laughs> but uh, you know, a person that seems to be happy, joyous, and free that are living life successful, that problems aren't bogging their life down constantly. You know, uh, 
That's that's what I w- wanted when I when I would pick a sponsor. For me, I ended up looking for somebody eventually, and, and I didn't really know this is what it was going to be. Well, well, let me phrase it this way: the sponsor that I eventually got, and his name is Bob, and I've had him since 1989. The guy that's ended up sponsoring me. Um, I could tell he knew something about the big book. I could tell he knew something about the steps. I could tell he had gone through the steps. Uh, he was sponsoring other people and he was the guy who ended up taking me through the steps. And at that, after that, I didn't have to have a drink, uh, after that point. And for me, like I said, everyone's different, but it was that he had gone through that big book and he knew about it and he knew about the steps and, uh, that's um, the program. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I I wouldn't find someone I could relate to. I'd find some maybe that I could not relate to, <laughs> someone that's not unhappy, miserable, and wants to drink. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and you know, if I've been married and divorced six times, I don't need to find someone that's been married, and divorced six times. Uh, someone that's never been married might work. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen uh, in our our little group there. I've seen a. Uh, an ex-convict sponsor a prison guard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I sponsor a pulmonologist. Yeah. I sponsor a uh, uh, pharmacist. Mm-hmm. I just need a lawyer now to sponsor, and, and uh, <laughs> I think I'll be in good shape. The trifecta. You know? But, you know, and I'm a car wash mechanic basically i have a car wash equipment business mm-hmm. so these guys you know why would a doctor ask me to sponsor him or a pharmacist you know it's not about relating and all that you know what they want to do is get well mm-hmm. and uh they want to recover from alcoholism and and they can do it if they just do the work how do you feel about uh, opposite sex uh sponsorship i'll tell you how i feel about it for me mm-hmm. i don't sponsor women and it's not because I don't like women. It's because I do like women. <laughs> right. I understand. That. That's why. And there's something happens in a fifth step. It's a very intimate deal. And, you, you know, you really get close. And uh, I just don't do it. I'm not going to risk my marriage. Yeah. Now, my sponsor, Gary, he sponsors women. Yeah. I know. Uh, but I, just for me, I don't, you know. And it's kind of been a almost like an unspoken rule in AA that men work with men, women work with women. So, yeah. uh, but. Yeah. Someone wants to sponsor women, yeah, go for it. But I'm not. I understand. Yeah, and because I, I had talked to Gary about that one day, because there was somebody who had written in actually, and uh, they were asking about sponsorship, and I was asking Gary. I said, I don't know if you want to do this or not, and he said, I sponsor alcoholics. Right. He yeah. didn't care what they are. Yeah. Uh, and so everyone's got their different uh, opinion on that. So okay, so we have talked about kind of the history, right? And where this germinated. Uh, is that the word? It germinated, right? I think I got that right. Right. The germination of this particular idea and how it came about. But what we haven't talked about yet is the actual meat of this. And when I say the meat, the the actual, okay, how do I take somebody through the steps, right? And we're not going to be able to cover, and, and I, want to, I want to give you adequate time to go through that. So why don't we go ahead 
and stop here and we'll set up another time for you to come back and then you can actually take us through the 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 beginning parts of the document that you wrote the beginning parts of what you do in a workshop and what you would coach somebody and how you coach somebody to take somebody else through the steps and what they can do in that one to three days Does that sound good sounds great all right so i'm going to go ahead and read from the big book of alcoholics anonymous page 164 and page 164 says abandon yourself to god as you understand god admit your faults to him and to your fellows Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And um, uh, me and Ricky... Uh, we'll look forward to, we'll, we'll get back together here at some point soon. And once again, Ricky, I thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you again, Ricky. And don't forget that I mentioned the sponsorship workshop that he's going to have on Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. And I'm not going to go through all the information again that I went on the first, uh, on the, on the introduction here to Ricky. Uh, but if you want uh, the, the flyer and any information that you can distribute, oh, it's also posted in our uh, Super Secret Facebook group. So if you are not part of the Super Secret Facebook group, well, that is something you need to go look up on your Facebook application. You just look for Sober Speak Secret Group. Ask for admission into the group and we will get you on in there. And Or you can email me, j-o-h-n at soberspeak.com and I will get you the information. I'll copy Ricky on it and uh, get out of the middle and let you guys uh, communicate. Now, on to a little bit of... Listener feedback. Hannah B writes in and Hannah B says, Hi, John. Hannah B here again. I just had to tell you it was so cool in big capital letters to hear my email read on the podcast. Well, guess what, Hannah? You get to hear it again. And this was my favorite part. This was my absolute favorite part. She says, my 12-year-old daughter totally thinks I'm famous now. <laughs> she, she listens to some of the podcasts with me when I'm taking her to school in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i guess that is that is anyway that's so cool she says uh your sense of humor totally gets her laughing <laughs> well that's about the level of my sense of humor is a 12 year old so i'm glad that she relates to me hannah <laughs> Oh, anyway, she says, in five days, I will have officially reached 90 days. I cannot tell you how much your podcast helps me every single day. Please don't change anything about what you do and how you do it. I'll be honest, it took me a min, that's short for a minute for those of you who aren't cool like me, to get used to the commentary. And I was so close to, and, and I was so close to being one of your episodes of John M. Stinks. <laughs> Laugh out loud. 
<laughs> However, in big capital letters, the more I listened to you, the more I came to totally appreciate your sense of humor and quirky little things that you say. Your interviewees are phenomenal and so encouraging. Now that is the truth. Uh, as I mentioned in my previous email, being a single mom, full-time employee, full-time college student, and attending meetings is a bit challenging. Oh my goodness, I can imagine. She says, I make two a week in person, and then every other day, I listen to Sober Speak. Well, I'm going to have to start coming up with more uh, episodes. She said, it is truly my meeting between meeting, my meeting between me meetings. She says, anyway, thanks for making me, quote, <laughs> famous in my daughter's eyes. Oh, and thank you for this podcast. And please don't change a thing. Thank you, Hannah B. Oh, that just made my day. Uh, and I just, oh, what? And if your 12 year old daughter is listening right now, God bless you too, sweetie. We love you. We need you. We're glad you're listening to us. And thanks for being there for your mommy. And I just think it is van. Fantastic. That brought a little, it brought a tear to my eye when I read that one. Thank you so much. Bill writes in and Bill says, uh, hi, John. I just want to start by saying David G is my go-to speaker. I listen to him often. However, I would like to point out an area in AA approved literature, page 18, AA group pamphlet, page 16 <laughs> says, quote, the primary purpose of any AA group is to carry the AA message to alcoholics. Experience with alcohol is one thing all AA members have in common. It is, a it is misleading to hint or give the impression that AA solves other problems or knows what to do about drug addiction. So he's talking about, uh, David had talked about uh, on one of his last episodes about uh, addiction and, you know, how he identifies himself in various meetings and such. Anyway, uh, and then Bill goes on, he says, drug uses is not an outside issue unless, I-M-O, I think that's in my opinion, it is all a speaker is sharing about. Drug addiction has no place in AA, nor should we give the impression that it does. I realize newcomers may not, may not know what the heck they are, but I will in no way say I'm an addict so they feel more comfortable, which I think is what David had talked about. That, in my opinion, is giving the impression that AA knows what to do about drug addiction or other problems. AA is not in the game of, uh, AA is not even in the game of alcohol addiction. Many are alcoholic and not addicted to alcohol. They don't drink enough to become physically addicted, but they do have the allergy and the obsession as it is described by Dr. Silkworth, which is the qualifier according to AA of what a person must have to be termed an alcoholic. Um, I had to have my peace because I do not want the AA message watered down with, quote, stuff, unquote, that is that AA is not in the business of treating Bill. Yeah, I, you know, Bill, I've heard this one. I, I'm just going to read it. 
let it go at that. I know there will be people who have their opinions on both sides of the fence there. Uh, I don't I don't want to get into it. Uh, uh, but I, I appreciate you writing in. And I've heard this argue ad infinitum uh, my entire time within Alcoholics Anonymous. And I don't think the uh, argument is going away any anytime soon. But thanks for writing in. I appreciate you, Bill. Niles writes in, he says, hi, John. So I live in Fargo, North Dakota. I will be two years sober on the 27th of this month. Oh, gosh, there were so many good speakers. It's just hard for me to pick one. I liked Jeff V, not because he's from Fargo, which is where he's from, Big Smiley Face. His story is very, very familiar to mine, but then I guess most are variations of a theme. I really appreciate what you do for the recovery community. There are a lot of days in my early sobriety where Sober Speak got me through some trying times. Thank you for your service, John M. Niles. Well, thank you for writing in, Niles. I do appreciate you. Try to stay warm up there in Fargo, North Dakota. I appreciate you. Thanks for writing in. Todd writes in. Todd with one D, for what it's worth. Um, No, probably not worth much. (laughs) But anyway, Todd D writes in. He says, hey, John, it's been my pleasure listening to Sober Speak and supporting Sober Speak these past four years. I have four years on March 28th. Okay, so... Ooh, I'm looking at when I'm going to release this one. I think this one's going to be released actually at the beginning of April. So, Todd, by the time you hear this on the air, you will have four years of continuous sobriety. Uh, Congratulations, Mr. Todd. Anyway, he says, I never told you this, but I got sober on Sober Speak. I didn't start going to meetings until last October. Shame on me. I've always had a lot of social anxiety. The promises are coming true, and most of that social anxiety is gone now. You've always shared inspirational stuff with me. I just want to share something back with you. How I Got Sober. Four years ago, when I came out of a nine-day blackout, I was sick and bad, and I realized I couldn't even get out of my bed, my last drunk. I could only get to the floor and crawl around. That lasted for about three days. I was telling myself, if I kept drinking, this is how I was going to die, and my days are numbered. As I was laying there, a thought came to me after 31 years in and out of the program that maybe there is something wrong with my spirit, the quote, spiritual malady, unquote, they talk about. It wasn't even a prayer, but I did open up a channel to God. I said, God, if there's something wrong with my spirit, could you help me? I don't even think I got the words all the way out of my mouth, and there was a presence beside my bed. It said, you have to follow my ways. It wasn't a commercial. It was kind of a loving offer. Oh, excuse me. It wasn't a command. It was kind of a loving offer that was telling me he didn't want me to die this way. I felt the love. I said, quote, 
I would, unquote. As soon as I said, uh, as soon as I said that, I started thinking about the God that was going to send me to hell if I didn't get things right. So I changed it because I didn't want to feel his wrath. And I said, I would try. Then I just realized I told God I would try. You didn't lie. You you don't tell God you're going to try, right? So I was waiting for the hammer to fall. And that is where he got to me. This is where I know my love created my, excuse me, my created love me my creator, I think he meant, loved me and only wanted the best for me. This is where I knew he loved me like a father and that he only wanted to see me prosper. He said, that's all I ever wanted. I passed out crying. He faded away and I've never drank again. And I've never turned my back on him again either. It took me a, it took me a couple of weeks for me to come out of my last drunk, but it dawned on me. I wasn't thinking about drinking and I didn't want to drink. I'm not alone anymore. Me and the creator are back in touch again. I have my heavenly father's power and loved. I rolled with that for three and a half years. Praying every day, I started feeling like uh, I started feeling a little lonely and my higher power told me it was time for me to start socializing. I didn't want to, uh, but I'm not going to give uh, give my heavenly father any lip. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that his thinking and his will outshines my thinking and my will. A little smiley face with a cowboy cap on it. And he says, I hope and pray that you and yours are well and strong, John. A little uh, praying hands and a little peace sign, Todd S. Well, God bless you, Todd. Thank you for writing that. Sounds like you've had a hell of an experience, my friend. And uh, I'm glad that you have reconnected with your higher power. And I hope you keep reconnecting with Alcoholics Anonymous as well for that uh, 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 social interaction, if you will. All right, everybody. That, I think, yeah, let me look here. Yeah, that is a wrap. Um, and uh, what else do we have here? Oh, yeah, I'd like to say a couple things. Uh, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And may God bless you and keep you until then. And I want to dedicate this entire episode not only to the people I mentioned on the other front, but also to Hannah's little 12-year-old daughter. I hope she's still listening. <laughs> God bless y'all. Have a wonderful uh week or day or whatever it is. Um, I love you and uh, hope to be back next week. We always take this one week at a time. Be well.